Thanks. Hey, everybody. What's happening? Oh, my gosh. You guys are too quiet. Hey, everybody. That's better. That was better. Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. I love saying that. Hey, uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Joe. As Rachel mentioned, I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard Covington, and it is a joy to be in front of you today, to worship with you today. And um, I'm so glad you're here on Pentecost Sunday. It's funny, like, I think as Christians, those of us that have life with Jesus, I think we all kind of know what Pentecost is, but it's hard for us to actually place on the calendar. I've said that to some of you today, like, hey, it's Pentecost. You're like, oh, yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. We have a kind of a low church tradition, meaning that we don't get super formal with the Christian calendar, but we do celebrate all of the things. And Pentecost is one of the big ones. So what's been happening since Easter Sunday, which is 50 days ago, is that a bunch of vineyard churches have been walking through a series called Empowered. And the series has hit on a ton of different subjects, things like spiritual gifts, prophecy, healing, all the fun stuff. And the culmination of that is today, Pentecost Sunday. And you might be wondering why we as a church here at VCOV and why the vineyard focuses on this as much as we do. And that would be a good question. And it's because we're a people of God's presence. We are a people of God's presence. We believe that God's Holy Spirit is available here and now today. God wants to meet with you today. So I want you to raise your expectation right now about what God's going to do today. He's going to do some powerful stuff in your life today if you'll open that door. So you can open it right now if you want. <laughs> okay? You can open it any time this morning. So we're a people of God's presence. And uh, for the vineyard... That kind of was marked at a certain specific time and a lot since then. So who's seen the movie Jesus Revolution, or at least you've heard of it? Most of you at least heard of it. A lot of you have seen it. Did you like it? Was it good? Yeah, pretty good? I agree. I liked it too. So there was a guy in that movie. He's also the same guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen, Jonathan Rumi. And he plays a character named Lonnie Frisbee, a real-life guy who was a hippie evangelist that played a real significant role in Calvary Chapel, the church that he was a part of at the time. He also played a really significant role in the vineyard. In 1980, on Mother's Day, uh, John Wimber, one of the founders of the vineyard, let him speak in an evening session. And he lit it up, man. He brought a ton of passion and boldness and asked the Holy Spirit to come. The presence of God came in that room, and it shook people up, like physically. Like, there were a lot of tears. There were people shaking. It was kind of nuts and a little messy. But sometimes that's what happens when God's spirit comes. Right? <laughs> it just does. I wish that we could control it. I say this all the time. Like, when we ask the Holy Spirit to come, we don't get to decide how the Holy Spirit comes. We don't say, hey, would you come at like a three of ten today, Holy Spirit? You know, because I I'm, I'm, can't really handle more than a three. We don't get to control it, but that's, that's why God's in control as well. So at that time, 1980, and John Wimber tells it this way. He says, he prayed, come Holy Spirit, and then whammo. 
And that's kind of probably what it felt like in the room. And I was listening to some of the audio from that old sermon this week because it's on YouTube. It's easy to find. And Lonnie, during the time when the Spirit is doing what the Spirit does, he's walking around and he's saying, this is like Pentecost. (laughs) This is like Pentecost. So what was Pentecost? Like I said, it's a real important part of the Christian calendar and a big part of the church calendar. And if it's not obvious to you, it was an event that happened in the first century church. So Jesus died, came back to life on the third day. You guys, Jesus, he's alive. Yeah, all right, we're getting there, we're getting there. We're ramping it up, guys, I'm telling you. Good stuff's gonna happen today. He comes back to life, and then he tells his followers some real specific stuff in the book of Acts. Um, I think we have this on a slide coming up. He says in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and also I'm going to skip to 8, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have you heard that verse? Three of you have. That's great. You know, Now you've all heard it. I just want to point something out here. So Jesus says, wait for what? The gift. Anyone like gifts? Anybody? Rachel likes gifts. You guys, we're going to be participating this whole time, so just get ready. Wait for the gift. Gifts are good. They're worth waiting for when someone like Jesus is giving them. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So a lot of you have been baptized with water. Was it an important event in your life? Yeah. Jesus is saying this is equally important. It's not like essential, like you're not going to be able to do life with him without it, but it is really important to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he says what that does is that you'll be empowered. Has anyone realized that there's something in their life they can't do in their own power? Maybe everything? Thank you, Bruce. For me, it's like everything. (laughs) I need help, a lot of it. Jesus says, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. That power leads to us wanting to spread the good news. That power puts us on mission. Like Rachel was talking about us being a family on mission. It's for the good of other people. As we get filled up, it overflows out of us to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our friends. Right? Then Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father at this part of the story. And verse 14 talks about the obedience of his followers. Remember, he said, now wait for the gift. And I don't know if everybody waited, but a lot of people did. Because verse 14 says, they joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You guys, no major move of God has ever started without a powerful prayer movement. Prayer was at the core of what later happened on Pentecost. A lot of us have been praying that God would pour out his spirit again and again and again. Join us Monday mornings at 7 a.m. on Zoom, okay? You like my my prayer room plug? So it's about 10 days later. By the way, Pentecost means 50. 
So 50 days since Jesus came back from the dead, for 40 days he appeared to all of his followers and many other people to prove that he was alive. And then 10 days after he ascended, the day of Pentecost happens. They were all together in one place and were obediently waiting and likely praying together, just like Jesus talked about, right? And then verse 2 is where I'm going to pick this up in your Bible if you're following. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you, like, get a mental picture of what that must have been like? Like, they're in a house, right? They're not even probably, I don't know if it was this big. I don't know. But all of a sudden, it's, I think it's important that it says it's a violent wind. Like, sometimes God does show up in peaceful, gentle winds, right? But sometimes it's violent. <laughs> this was loud. They were probably like, what is going on? Like, I'm thinking of like a tornado type sound, right? We notice that when we hear it, don't we? Also, there are tongues of fire. They could see things with their eyes that were happening in the room. And then they began to speak in different languages. These are all encounter words. God is encountering them in their physical bodies, right? With their eyes and what they see, what they hear with the wind that's blowing. These were and still are things and ways that God encounters us. He wants to encounter you today. Did I say that already? He wants to encounter you today. I'm telling you guys. By the end of this, you're going to believe me. So the summary of some of the rest of Acts 2, I just want to rip through this. You can read the whole story. I'm going to read some more of it. But um, basically, uh, all these people and all this commotion is drawing a crowd. (laughs) There's other people like in the neighborhood Like, can you imagine if we were here today and something like crazy broke out like that and people started to walk in like, what is going on? What do you, what is that sound? And how come everybody's speaking in like, you're speaking languages that I know and you're Galileans. Like we're all Kentuckians and Ohioans in here. And like, what if we are all of a sudden we're just speaking Portuguese and a bunch of Portuguese people were like, how do you know our language? And they were probably like not in full control of their body because God's spirit is powerful. They might have been wobbling around because they say, these guys are all drunk. They got to be drunk, right? Because what else could be going on here? They're speaking crazy. They're doing whatever they're doing. And it's just chaos, it seems like. And that's when Peter steps up. Remember Peter? Denied Jesus three times, Peter. Remember him? Right? Verse 14. I think we have some slides for this. Yes. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what's happening here? A lot. You're right. A lot is happening here. But what's happening here is that basically he's like, Peter's like, this shouldn't be that big of a surprise. I know it's crazy. (laughs) This really shouldn't shock you as much as it probably does. First of all, these people are drunk. (laughs) I know that's what you think. That's not what's happening. It's nine in the morning. But this is a fulfillment of prophecy. This was spoken about hundreds of years ago by this guy named Joel. And it's written in the book of Joel. And that's what those verses that we just read were what Peter was pulling from, from Joel chapter 2. And he said, this is what Joel, ta- or what Joel talked about that would, it would look like when God poured out his spirit. And just as important, Peter says that because of what Jesus has done by coming back to life, that he's done something really significant that everyone doesn't maybe understand yet. He's pierced the veil of death. By coming back to life, Jesus has pierced the veil of death. Between life and death, he's put a hole in it. Like you can see through it now because of what he's done. And I don't know if you know this, and I hate to break it to you so suddenly, but you're dying right now. I know. I'm, I'm, I think you probably know that. It's just, it's just the way it is, right? We're all getting a little closer to death, and we don't think about that too much that way because it's a little bit sobering. But Jesus and life with Jesus changes how we think about things like death. And Peter is so filled with power that day. By the way, 3,000 people start life with Jesus that day, even as they encounter this, like, carnival scene. It doesn't seem like the best evangelistic tool sometimes. Oh, there's all these people speaking in different languages and falling over and they think they're drunk. Oh, 3,000 people are pretty convinced. What? And by the way, if you're not sure if you have life with Jesus yet, I just want to say something here that's really important. And I heard uh, the Vineyard's national director, Jay Pathak, talk about this, and you're going to get to hear a story from him on the video today in a few minutes as well. But... I really think that this is a great way to explain it. He said the difference between people that have life with Jesus and people that don't isn't the difference between good and bad. It's not like, well, we got some good people over here because they know Jesus and everybody else, they're just bad. Here's the the truth that you may or may not be aware of. We're all bad. You guys, I'm sorry. However bad that you think you are, it's way worse. And if you're not sure, just ask your spouse. Like, seriously, we're just, we're on this sinking ship. We're not great. Jesus talks about it in the Bible. He says, nobody is good but God. (laughs) Right? So instead of it being the difference between good and bad, Jay said this, and I love it. He said, I think it's more the difference between people that have humility and people that have pride. People that have started life with Jesus have just recognized that they can't do it on their own. They're humble enough to know they need help. And the rest of the folks are just trying to do it on their own. I've tried to do it on my own a lot. Anybody? Yeah. That's kind of prideful if I really think about it. Like, Jesus, I got this. I'm good. Anybody have a Jesus, I got this moment this week? Maybe more than one. I mean, you know, like not intentionally, like, let me just tell you, but we look back and we're like, oh, yeah, I needed some help there. And I just did a Jesus, I got this. 
So it's not about good or bad. It's about humility versus pride in many ways. And what Jesus did for you and did for me changes everything. Peter should know this. Like just a few pages earlier, he was denying that Jesus was even a person. I don't even know. I don't know that guy. Now, all of a sudden, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, look, (laughs) let me tell you what's going on here. Let me explain this in such a way that 3,000 people understand and step in to start life with Jesus. So Jesus pierces the veil of death. It changes the way we think about death because we get to follow him even after our physical bodies die, right? That's an amazing thing to know and to consider. And yet, this is really important. When we say yes to Jesus, I think one of the first things we think about and what we've maybe learned if we grew up in church is that gets us to heaven, right? Anybody? Nope, everybody's looking at me like, heaven? Yeah, is this? yeah that, like that's what gets us to heaven. And you know what? That's true, and it's awesome. But there's so much more than that. If that was all there is, I don't know, man. I just, it's not as compelling. I think it was N.T. Wright that said this, and my dad has said it many times too. It's not just about pie in the sky when you die. <laughs> Even though that sounds decent. But the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that life with him is not just about getting into heaven, but it's just as much about him getting heaven into me. Him getting heaven into you. It's not just about getting into heaven, but it's about him getting heaven into us. You guys, on Pentecost, that's what was happening. The Holy Spirit was putting heaven into people in the moment. He was encountering them with their senses in their bodies in that moment in a way that can only be described as heavenly, as supernatural, as an encounter with the living God who wants to meet with you today. Today. Raise your expectation for that. He's already meeting with some of you right now. You're feeling something in your body like, what is, wait a minute. What's going on here? That's the Holy Spirit. Because he's here, he's resting on some of us, lots of us. And I think that's going to continue as we keep talking. Does that make sense? The whole heaven thing? Have you thought about it that way? I haven't thought about it that way enough. (laughs) And that's why I want to share that with you today. It's really important to know that this changes our lives now, just not when we die. So we've experienced this in different times and places. And because of God's big, overwhelming power, it's life-changing. A few years ago, I was, uh, we have a house group at my house, first and third Wednesday nights, you're all invited. Um, and we were praying for a friend of mine and um, just had some regular prayer for him, regular meeting, like didn't seem like anything major happened. But a few weeks later, he told me, he goes, hey, you guys remember when you prayed for me that night at group? I was like, yeah. He's like, man, I got delivered from something. Something got broken off of me that I didn't need. And it was incredible. It was powerful. And I was like, really? Oh, awesome. That's great. Really cool, right? Like, I believe you, of course, but I just didn't think anything was happening major. And a few weeks later, he, like, told me again, like, you remember that? <laughs> like, yeah, I remember. God changed his life. 
that day. Right? And sometimes it's like Pentecost, right? Where it's kind of messy and people are like, where are the drunk people? And sometimes it's hard to perceive and understand that it's happening. Life-changing encounters happen through the Spirit of God moving. And an encounter can change your life forever. And that is what we're going to see evidence of on this video. So, if you guys will watch a video with me, I'm going to set it up for you really briefly. Our national director in the vineyards, a guy named Jay Pathak, he's a really dynamic speaker and has uh, provided a video for us telling a story of an encounter that he had at an alpha course. So we're going to let that play now if we are ready in the back. All right. I don't know if you've ever run alpha, if you have alpha in your church, or if you've not heard of alpha, um, I think it's worth looking up online. You know, it's a class that came out of some Anglican churches in the UK, but we in the Vineyard have been partnering with them and working with Alpha all across the country. And I love Alpha because it's a great experience for people that don't really know what they think about Jesus or life with God to be able to come in, learn some things, ask some questions, have a discussion around a meal. And many people discover a new kind of life with God by participating in Alpha. And so we run Alpha in our church and there's a story, there's one moment that happened that really changed me, uh, where there was a guy uh, in one of our alpha classes, a guy named Alex. He was, he's an atheist, and then he was, he's an engineer. Do you know engineers? You know, people like spreadsheets. You know, they like things that are like really specific and, they, you know, concrete that they can manage. And so Alex is in our alpha class, and he's just taking the opportunity to argue every single time we're talking about life with God. And he's like, well, how do you know this? You can't prove that. And, and I remember thinking, why is he here? I think maybe he just liked to argue with people. I'm not, I'm not sure. But we had a thing that was called uh, the, the weekend away, which many times you do in Alpha. And he's sitting there listening to us teach. And that one we were doing live. And I was teaching about the Holy Spirit. And we did our first talk. And I remember he grabbed me in the hallway and he said, hey, man, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I can tell it's like crescendoing, like you're about to try to do something, like to us. And I want to be clear, I'm not doing it. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to do it. I said, that's fine. And the very next talk was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I do this whole talk, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you end by telling people, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray for you. Why don't you just stand right where you're at? You can just stand up and we'll pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, right then, Alex just pops to his feet. He's right in front of me. And I walk over to him and I'm like, I thought you said you weren't going to do it. He said, yeah, I know, but I'm already here. Why not? Like, well, what, I don't, you want to be filled with the Spirit? He's like, Sure. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think it works like that. I think, I think you kind of have to want, you know, like you're asking God for something. He's like, okay. And I'm like, no, again, that, I don't know. I don't know if that's like a real confession of faith. You have to be saying, yeah, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay, yeah. I'm, no, I, uh, I, don't feel, I don't know if it works like this. And, you know, we're going back and forth. And finally he says, you know what, Jay? If this is true, why wouldn't I want more of God? So yeah, of course. So I put my hand on his chest and I said, Alex, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And he fell to his knees and he started sobbing. He's crying. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like this in prayer where you're praying for someone or you're even in a moment by yourself praying or someone's praying for you and it's overwhelming. You have like an experience with God, much like we talked about, where something is felt, something is experienced. You're not just passing notes under the door. You have an experience of God. And he's crying and he's, you know, and, you know and I don't know if you've ever been in these moments you pray. It starts to get awkward because you're like, I don't know, should I just, how long do I, how long do I do this? You know, like what point do I just walk away? So finally, I just walked away. I just wandered off. It was like, I don't know, 15 minutes later. He's just there crying. So then we have a break, and it's like in the break, he sees me in the hallway, he goes, I gotta talk to you. I'm thinking, I bet you do. And he, he grabs me, and he says, Jay, this is real. I said, yeah, I know. I know, I know it's real. And he goes, no, no, not like the way, not like the way you're saying. I mean, it's like real. I go, I know, I know, I know this is real. He goes, no, no, he's a little frustrated. He's like, no, I'm not like the way, like a preacher says things are real. I mean, like, it's like real. And, and this, this time I'm a little, I'm a little offended. Like, what did you think I was doing this whole time? Like, I'm just making stuff up. And, and he goes, and he could see I'm a little thrown off. He, and then he pauses, he goes, no, I mean, this is real like gravity is real. It's real like that. I'll never forget that because he was trying to say something significant. You know, he was living in a world where he said, okay, I do all my normal life, and then there's this sort of spiritual, moral stuff you try to tell me about with Jesus and dying and stuff that's really far from me. But Jay, this thing, this life that we have with God, this life that Jesus has given us is as real or maybe more real than gravity. And I want to say the scriptures make a really clear case that that's true. There's some of you that, you know, you maybe believe the right things. You've maybe said the right things or try to do the right things. You even find yourself in church, but you kind of think, yeah, I mean, I, but then I go and do my real life. This is kind of this thin churchy thing, but then, then you have to do your real life. And what Alex was saying is what the scriptures say is true is that no, this life that we have with God is real like gravity is real. Actually, it's more real than that because this life that we have with God will extend past even your death. This life we have with God will change and transform and make all things new again. So I guess the question that you have to answer, which I can't answer for you, is how much reality do you really want? How much of life with God do you really want? How much do you really want? <laughs> this is a great question, no matter where we find ourselves on the journey. Whether we haven't started life with Jesus yet, or whether we've been walking with him for a long time. How much of the Holy Spirit do you want? When we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, like I said, we don't get to control it, but we do submit, we do open ourselves up to what God is doing in that moment. Just like in Jay's story with his friend Alex, and I love that story because it's just, 
It's so valuable to hear the perspective of someone maybe that hasn't walked with Jesus and experiences it and saying, it's real like gravity. I think that's, I mean, I love that story. That's why we played it. So, um, another story that I want to tell you that I think helps set the scene a little bit. And then we're going to have some time to experience God's presence here. Um, so a few years ago, I was um, spending some time with Jesus and trying to walk with him. It was before we started Vineyard Covington. It was before I'd met Tyler and Rachel, actually. So all the way back to 2019. I know, it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. And um, I went to the Vineyard National Conference up in Dayton, Ohio. And I wasn't really sure why I was there. I wasn't part of a vineyard at the time. And even though I grew up in the vineyard, it was, um, just wasn't my every day or every week family at the time. And I remember I, I went in and I sat in the back and just kind of tried to be anonymous like you do sometimes. I was by myself. And at the end, a guy named Steve Nicholson was uh, teaching and he just open things up for the Holy Spirit, kind of like what we're talking about tonight. And um, man, I immediately felt God's presence in my body. Like, it was overwhelming. I was just like, first of all, it was like, felt like butterflies in my stomach a little bit. And then it just felt like a lot of heat. <laughs> I felt like, I'm going to start sweating, you know, what's going on here? This is weird. I don't know what's happening here, and I kind of know what's happening here. And then a couple of women came to pray for me because they noticed that something was happening. And they had some really impactful prayers over my life. And one of them was that I was going to be a church planter. What? I'm not a church planter. What? I don't understand that. What's going on? You know. And in the moment, it didn't really hit, but there was a guy that was sitting behind me that day. And we had talked beforehand and got to know each other. And as I was walking out, I saw him and he goes, oh, hey, man, when are you planting that church? <laughs> and I was like, what? The Holy Spirit met with me that, way, that day in many ways. It was an encounter with my senses. And it was also an encounter with what he wanted to do in my life. And in that moment, I thought, how would that, I mean, I, I, I know how that works. <laughs> My dad is a, was a pastor for a long time. I know what the church is like. I know what the vineyard is like, but that's just not me. But wouldn't you know, it was like less than a year later, we planted this church. And it just, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got a woo from another pastor on that one. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, but the point is this, is that when God encounters us, it's real like gravity. Real things change in our life. The Holy Spirit fills us, not so that we just can shake or cry and then go back to everything as it was before. It's because we're being made more like Jesus. Sometimes our bodies are being healed. Our emotions are being healed. Sometimes God is taking big rocks and taking them off of our shoulders and laying them down and saying, you don't have to carry this anymore. And sometimes he's speaking into our futures. So 
I just want to say there's so many opportunities and ways to connect with the Spirit today. And whether it looks like it did on Pentecost or on Mother's Day in 1980 or like with my friend when it was imperceptible, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. What matters is, is that this is real like gravity and God wants to meet with you here today. So uh, a couple things I want to point out here and then we're going to do some ministry. The first thing is, you remember at the end of Peter's sermon when he says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? And he was quoting Joel. That's true. And remember how I was talking about the difference between good and bad, not being what it's all about. So if you're not sure if you have life with Jesus yet, I want you to be sure. I want it to be like, yes. I invited Jesus into my life on Pentecost 2023 or whenever it is. But today is another opportunity to open the door of your heart to Jesus. I had a conversation with a woman yesterday at Isaiah House. And we just were praying and got to the point at the end. And she's like, well, I know that I need, I know that I need more of this. And usually what people say is, I know I need to go to church, you know. And that can be really good. And I just said, well, just, you know, the example that's been given to me that I love to repeat is that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. The doorknob's on the inside. Only you can open it. Do you want to open it to him today? And she said, yes. <laughs> Guys, she said yes. <laughs> and we just prayed a simple prayer. And I believe that her life changed in that moment. Just like my life changed at that conference in Dayton. Just like my friend's life changed in our house group. Just like so many lives were changed at Mother's Day and on Pentecost. And that is available to you today. The other thing is, is some of you just came in here feeling really dried out. Like you've been like, I've been walking with Jesus for a while, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm here. Is that enough? Some of you need to be refreshed and renewed today, and the Holy Spirit wants to do that in your life. Whether it's happened in the past, you can be like, I was marked on this day, and I'll never forget it. Or it's never happened. God wants to do that today if you want to open your heart to him. And the other thing was that um, the rock thing. Like I just, in prayer today, was feeling like that some of you walked in here with a big rock, like you're just carrying this thing and you're just like, I don't, I don't know. God says, I'll carry that for you. I'll take it. You don't need it anymore. It's, you, know, you don't even like it. <laughs> you just feel like you have to carry it. It may be a specific issue in your life. It may be just anxiety, worry, doubt. It could be a bunch of different things. God wants to take that off of your shoulders or out of your arms today through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So could we all stand up? And Jesse, would you come up? Thanks for being so attentive today, friends. Appreciate all of you. I'm going to invite the presence of the Spirit to be more aware 
for all of us because like we say, it's not like the Holy Spirit's not here. It's just that we need to be made more aware of what he's already doing here. And he's resting on some of you already. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We invite your power and your presence. We want an encounter with you today, Lord. 